and welcome to She's the Boss Chats. I'm your host, Jules Brooke, and in the show, I interview amazing women and female founders about what it is that they're doing and why they're doing it. It's all about us lifting up the women around us. Ayla Toyokawa, I am so excited to have you as a guest for She's the Boss Chat. So thank you so much for agreeing to be interviewed. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, it's my absolute pleasure. So I hardly even know where to start with you because you've got an amazing business in the background and a new startup. But let's talk about what you're doing now and why you're doing it. So let's start with websites, I guess. Okay. Um, so I'm the lead wedding coordinator and founder at Websites. We're a yeah. wedding tech startup on a mission to make the wedding planning process much easier for newly engaged couples by helping them stay organized and streamline communication with their guests. Um, so after my friends and I started getting engaged, I quickly realized how overwhelming it is for couples planning a wedding. And it can be hard to keep track of all the different things that you need to remember um, to do while juggling a full time job and all the other things that come with being a busy yeah. career driven woman. So websites is an online platform that can be accessed from anywhere um, and is your one-stop shop for keeping everything you need to keep track of your wedding in one place. So everything from budgets, your guests' information, tasks, um, and all of this information in one beautiful place. Oh, that's just, it's just so fantastic because I know having organized my own wedding and also been to loads, it is a real pain point for people <laughs> just trying to keep it all together. So, how does it actually work when you go on the site? What, 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 how does it just take, take me through it as a customer, how it would actually work for me? Sure. So when you assuming first sign I up. Wanted, can I just say, assuming I wanted to get married again, which I don't. But. <laughs> <laughs> so basically how it works is when you first sign up, um, the system will ask you when, when are you getting married? And if you have a wedding date, you'll punch in that date. You'll get a checklist of items that you need to do um, in with a special timeline. So based on your special timeline, ah, okay. do you dates to kind of give you kind of a healthy estimate of when you should be getting things done. So right. that's one of the first things that happens when you sign up. It'll ask you for your budget. So if you've got that budget figure, it'll help you figure out how you should allocate that th your funds. Wow, to your really different does areas. that. Mm. That's amazing. Okay. So then from going. there, you can <laughs> tweak it around to figure out wh where you want to allocate your budget, depending on what your priorities are. Yeah. And then we have a guest list tool. So that keeps all of your guest information in one place. So that's your address, the phone numbers, everything like that. And then once you've got all of that there and you're ready to send out, digital invitations or your digital save the date if you'd like to uh, you can send that out and request your guests to come on your wedding website to rsvp um, and then all right. of their dietary requirements or any kind of answers that they have for you of whether they need to take a shuttle or when they need to, are flying into town or any kind of questions you want to ask them will be recorded inside of your guest list manager and then as you progress towards your wedding date uh, we have printable worksheets. So for example, if you created your seating chart table using websites, you can yeah. print out that information and everyone's or all of your guest dietary requirements would be next to their, their names so that mm -hmm. the caterer would know exactly who's sitting where or whoever's setting up the tables at your wedding reception would know, okay, this guest is allergic to nuts. This is what we're going to be serving them. And so it just makes Amazing. it easier. So it's basically a platform from start to finish um, kind of leads That's them amazing. through the progress. So, yep. so it's not doing suggestions of venues and caterers or whatever. It's just for you 
and then you can plug in whoever it is that you're using. That's right. So it's it's not necess- it's not a vendor directory kind yeah. of a model. It's more of a tool to help the couple plan. So they can have vendors from anywhere and then they can add their vendors contact information, keep track of payments. So that's another pain point for a lot of people. So they've got yeah. so many payments to remember because oftentimes it's quite a big invoice when it comes to weddings. So you'll have several installments. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. So I just love this. So I understand that you and your friends, because we all go through that age where all of a sudden everyone starts getting married, but was there a particular light bulb moment that you had where you just went, right, I'm going to do something about this? Yes. So back in <laughs> 2015, my best friend got engaged and she asked me to be her maid of honor. Yeah. And at the time she was in Japan, I was in Australia and her fiance was in Washington, DC. And she was planning <laughs> oh a destination wedding in Hawaii. So we're in right. all different places <laughs> right. trying to plan this wedding. And I've always, I'm a type A personality. I love planning. <laughs> so when she asked me to be her maid of honor, I was like, yes, this is my moment. I'm going to be the best maid of honor ever. And um, I was really excited. But when she started planning her wedding, I noticed that she had signed up for all these different tools and had created multiple spreadsheets to keep a track of her budget, her guest list, wedding websites, and all, all of these different tools. And it quickly just got overwhelming and it didn't give us an easy way to collaborate. So that's kind of when I thought, oh, I wonder why there isn't something better. So I went. Yeah, it's, it's, it's one of those moments where I kind of go, wow, why has no one thought about this before? Absolutely. And I feel like the reason for that is because there are a lot of tools out there, but they're used more as a league magnet for people to sign up to their platform so that they can start advertising to them. So that that really didn't sit well with me either, because I, you know, weddings are quite personal and being blasted with ads all the time of things that you don't want just didn't seem very personal. So that was one of the things that I took into websites was I wanted to keep it ad free make it a really personal experience for the couple. And yeah, we definitely don't advertise. (laughs) I love that. It's just such a clever idea. All right. So I don't know. I know you've had another really interesting business in the past, but let's, can I, Isla, take you back to, I don't know, high school or school um, and, and, and tell me how everything has evolved. So let's start off with how big is your family? Where did you grow up? And, you know, what, what, what were your role models? Were your parents entrepreneurs or so I'll, I'll stop ask, answering the questions and leave sure. it for you to tell me. So I was born and raised in Tokyo, Japan. Um, I grew up here. I went to school K through 12, went to a, an international American school. And okay. then upon graduation, oh, it's just me. I'm the only child. Right. I was um, raised by a single mom. And oh, okay. after graduation, um, as most of my classmates did, I went to uni in the U.S. But then after, so after that's graduation. that's a normal thing, is it, for, for Japanese people to go to the States? Um, for my school, because I went to an international American school. Oh, right. So okay. all yep, of gotcha. my classmates all went to uni in the U.S. And, and how was some, your mom about you going if you're the only, only, it's just you and her? Yeah, so she's pretty career driven um, and she's she's also lived in the U.S., Okay. She's fully Japanese, but she's also lived in the U.S. And I think that was just something that was in the cards for me to go off. Of course, she was really worried about me. Yeah, very much so. And she's the one that kind of took me over there and like set me up in everything. Oh, um, she went with you. Oh, that's nice. That's, mm-hmm. that's good. So she could imagine where you were as well. 
Yeah, she was really worried about me. (laughs) She grilled into me all these different safety things because it's so different in America compared to Japan. Japan's just a really safe country. So she was definitely really worried about me. But after graduation, I found myself back in Japan because my grandmother became really sick. And I just wanted to be closer to her and just support my mom along the way. But when I moved back, I was this 22 year old that was just completely lost. I didn't really know what I was doing with my life. And what then did I started, you study? What did you study at uni? I was studying law, so just completely different <laughs> from what I'm doing today. Can completely I just different. tell you how? If I if I got a dollar for every time I said to people, "What was the course you studied?" who go on to become entrepreneurs, so about of about the 150 women I've interviewed so far, I reckon 70 percent of you have started with law. That's so it's interesting. Very interesting to me. <laughs> okay, so you started off with you, you'd studied law. And then made your way back to Japan, which, of course, I guess you can't use the legal training you'd had in the States for for Japan anyway, can you? Mm -hmm. It's different. Yeah. So definitely I felt completely lost. And at that time I started um, dabbling in web design because my partner's quite techie. And so I started having an interest in that. And then it was in 2011. And around that time, I was doing some freelance work for small businesses. And then in 2011 of March 2011, that's when Tokyo or Japan was hit with a really big earthquake, a 9.0 magnitude earthquake that was just absolutely devastating was tsunami, the earthquake tsunami, and then followed by a nuclear disaster. So it was very chaotic. That earthquake, it was the one that that led to the tsunami, right? Yes, I, I, I would imagine I would have got out of there fast as well if I could have. It was crazy. It was absolutely devastating and it was so scary because there's so many things are happening at the same time and so 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 how far is tokyo away from where the tsunami hit though i mean was that were there lots of aftershocks were you actually being affected by it or was it just the shock that it had happened within the country so it was so tokyo itself we were we had about a five um so where the epicenter was it was a nine so five is still big it's one of the it's definitely the biggest earthquake i've ever felt in my life Um, we've been having afterquakes even to this day like it's been 10 years but we're still having afterquakes from that quake which is crazy to think about but that's just the the world (laughs) so when that happened tokyo wasn't um like the train stopped and everything but more than anything it was like the nuclear disaster that was really scary so when that happened my partner and i just happened to have um this was in the early days of us dating we're married now um but we had our first trip to australia planned and as a child when i was in high school when i was in uni i always had this desire to go to australia i don't know why but i always wanted to go to australia with their television shows about australia i mean what, what why did australia even get on your radar I think I met a lot of Australians in Japan and everyone was so lovely. Like I just loved Australians. They were just so friendly and kind. And I heard so many great things about Australia. So I just always wanted to go. And I love the ocean and I love animals. So that was aligned as well. So I just really, really wanted to go to this magical place. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) So um, it just so happened to be that we had our first international trip planned and we were lucky enough to have the airlines move our flights about two weeks earlier than our original date because there was just so much chaos. Everyone wanted to get out of the country. Right. So they let us move our flight for free. And then we flew over to the Gold Coast, Yeah. drove down or had a shuttle take us down to Byron where we picked up a camper van. 
and lived oh, you in a really camper did van. It in the right way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's what we did. We lived in a camper van for three weeks and traveled the East Coast. Wow. So that was. And did the- you manage to get right up top? Did you get manage to get up sort of to Cape Tribulation or? No, did you we go didn't get down, to go that far. Oh, we went. So- we did the Byron to. Um, we kind of did the yeah Byron, oh. Brisbane, that whole coastline. Yeah. Okay. And then. We just fell in love with Australia. It just seemed like such a magical place. I love the beach, the white sand. It was just incredible. So after that, we went back to Tokyo for two weeks, picked up all of our stuff, packed our suitcases, our laptops, and we had about $3,000 in savings and came right back to the Gold Coast, found this really shabby apartment by the beach, the leaky roof, which is crazy, (laughs) (laughs) but settled there. But as you do, kind of when you land in a new country is you burn through that money really fast. So we really didn't know. Fast. And the the other thing is how, how can you work? Were you over here on student visas or work visas or? At the just, time it was just, just a, a tourist visa. Right. So, oh, well, we first went there with a tourist visa and when we came back, we got a working holiday visa. Okay, cool. So that allowed us to stay in the country for a year. Yep. So we did that. Um, but it was hard because we didn't know anyone. We didn't have any jobs lined up or anything. So what we did was we found odd jobs on Gumtree, on Odesk, or now it's called Upwork, right. and um, 99designs, which is a Melbourne startup. So we just submitted to logo contest to win um, the, the prize money there and yeah. just fr- freelance work um, that we found randomly. <laughs> so we wow. were doing that to make ends meet. Yeah. And it was really hard. It was it was such a struggle. There are often times where imagine, yeah, because we couldn't even buy groceries. It was crazy. Yeah. God, so what? So what did you do? I mean, and no, you obviously didn't say right. We're packing up our bags and going home. So you so were determined to stay. We were determined to stay, and we were just yeah, just struggling, just kind of doing odd things. And then I had this idea that maybe we could create a WordPress theme and sell it on Envato, another Melbourne startup. Um, right. And they have a, a marketplace called Theme Forest where they sell WordPress products. So we thought, oh, why don't we create a WordPress theme specifically for sports clubs or no, specifically a soccer team so that they can create a professional looking site for themselves. And, and what was it that gave you that idea? Had someone come to you and said, can you build one and you couldn't find a theme or what, what gave you that idea in the first place? So previously my partner had been um, a part of a soccer team and uh, he created a website for that soccer team, but he hadn't, it was all from scratch. It wasn't a WordPress theme that he used. So right. I thought, oh, I did some research, you know, soccer is the most played sport in the world. And there wasn't any product to help these teams create a a website for themselves easily. So we thought, oh, let's make one and then put it on the marketplace. And then we can earn some additional income to kind of support us. And then we created the theme, uh, submitted it to Envato, and then they rejected us. And we were (laughs) we were quite (laughs) devastated by that. And later I learned after speaking to people at Envato that that's quite common for that to happen. You get rejected on the first time and you just need to tweak margins and do little things to it and they'll accept you. So that's just the process. But we kind of took that to heart and we're like, oh, okay, they don't want it. Let's just launch it on our own site. And that was the beginning of Theme Boy, which ended up being one of the best things that could have happened to us um, because we don't need to, we get all of the sales revenue and we don't have to abide by any marketplace rules. So it ended up being a really good thing for us, but 
we were naive because it takes a while for a site to build up. But surprisingly, it took about six months for it to really take off. And then that really became our full time gig. We stopped doing freelance work and having to make ends meet by submitting to logo contests. And then that became our full time gig. How do you sell a a WordPress theme? How, how, How do you make money out of it? It's basically we have an online store. So it's it's like e-commerce, but a yeah. digital product that can just be purchased online. Um, the customer downloads how the do, product. So how do you let sports teams know who, who I guess are pretty untechy and probably go on to WordPress and say, where's the theme? Why would they know to go looking for another theme? Have you had to do a lot of aggressive marketing to let them know or has it worked? Somehow we've created a niche around it. So if you search like sports club WordPress theme Ours would come up. And plus, we had a really good name. Our theme was called Football Club WordPress theme. So Uh, then people found it easily that way. So first we started with uh, football clubs or soccer teams specifically. Yeah. But since then, um, we eventually pivoted to create a plugin, which is more of the sports data club management software. So it's not front end facing. It's more back end so that teams can easily pick any theme that they want and use our plugin to create their team rankings, uh, player statistics, tournament brackets. It's it's so amazing. So if you're over here on a working holiday visa and you create something like that, have you become permanent residents and how did you, how do you juggle it? So over the past 10 years, we went from a working holiday visa. My partner went to uni at RMIT. So we were on a student visa and then had all of the documentation that we needed to submit to get a permanent residency visa. <laughs> Yay. Oh, I'm Over- so glad that you got it. That's brilliant. Yes, okay. That- so, so you've started doing this, this theme boy thing and it's starting to take off and you're in Melbourne. So what made you, and, and you've had this idea with the websites, but what made you leave theme boy, which sounds like it's going great guns and, and want to start something different. So after moving to Melbourne, and that's really where all the tech things happen, the tech scenes there. And I was having not knowing anyone in Australia. I was really searching for community. And when I was going to these different events for WordPress and being that we're in sports, it was just really male dominated. And I couldn't very, very (laughs) male dominated. And unfortunately, I just couldn't meet anyone that I could really connect with. And I was really looking to connect with female entrepreneurs. At the time, I didn't know that I was an entrepreneur, but I was really looking for that community to connect with other women. And after a while, I was getting really burnt out and quite depressed in a way because I just couldn't, I wasn't meeting the people that I needed to your meet. tribe. You needed my your tribe. tribe. Exactly. Yeah. I couldn't find my tribe and I was struggling. And that's when, when I moved to Melbourne and eventually um, I started going to one roof and right. that's a female oriented corking space where I met so many women that have supported me along the way, but that's really where I made a lot of connections and I started kind of owning my role or stepping into this role as a female founder. Um, but websites came about really when I was in that phase of kind of being burnt out, the business was doing really well, but I was kind of feeling disconnected with the business. And I always had this passion for the wedding industry and planning. And it just felt like a really good fit for me. Um, being that I am type a, I like planning (laughs) (laughs) and I knew the kind of product that I would want for my own wedding. And so when my partner and I got engaged, 
that's really when we developed it fast, launched the beta version and had a hundred other couples plan their weddings alongside us. And that's where we got that feedback and iterated and then eventually officially launched the platform in late 2019. Right. Wow. You are so amazing, Isla. I, I, I just have to tell you how incredible you are. Oh, thank you. Um, no, no, I, I have no doubt at all that it's just you're going to be this absolute tech guru, I would say, give you another 10 years and there'll be another three businesses that you've taken off. All right, so um, and now this is an interesting question, especially based on what you were saying before. Have there been any women that have helped you along the way? Now, I like to ask that question just because this is about She's the Boss and it is about women and it's nice to give women a shout-out, but it sounds like you were in a very male kind of environment. So have there been... Some women, other than I can imagine Cherie Rubenstein must have been a bit of a, who's the founder of One Roof, must have been a bit of a um, godsend to you at first. But um, have there been any other women that have really helped you along the way? Absolutely. So I've met pretty much all of the women that I've developed really close relationships with over the past couple of years have been through One Roof. And shout out to Cherie. She's a really good friend of mine. I love her to bits. Yeah, she's um, brilliant. She, She's brilliant. She's really connected me, helped me find my community, my tribe. Um, and through the One Roof community, I've met. Um, so one of my really good friends, her name's Priya George. She runs a very successful cybersecurity startup. She's oh, been wow. a great mentor to me. She she would. It, <laughs> she would yeah, she, she doesn't know she's a mentor to me, but I really look up to her. She's fabulous. Um, another person that I've met um, is Kate Kendall, who runs oh, yes. a. Amazing. She's great. She runs a female um, focused accelerator program for indie startups, which is really yep. aligned with the way that I do business because I haven't gone the VC route to raise funding. And she's been great. I went through Addo last year yeah. and that's, it's really helped me build websites. Now just and so, sorry, Atto is a, is, is Kate Kendall's course. And it, is, is that right? And it's for, te- just to, because I, I've interviewed Kate for this series, but I think she was one of the first and I can't remember. So tell me, just tell us a little bit more about what she does. Sure. So Kate runs a female founded startup accelerator program for indie startups called Addo. So um, really focused, ne- not necessarily on the VC route, because I have gone through a different um, early stage pre-accelerator program um, called E3, which is more focused on going through the VC route. So by going through that program, I really learned about how to create a pitch deck, what investors are looking for um, and going down that path. But Addo is a bit different because they're more focused on um, building revenue and growing that way rather than going straight to the VC route. model. Really great model. Um, yeah, Kate's very smart and she's given me a lot of great advice. And through that program, since the program, really websites has taken off. We've grown our revenue by a lot. We've pivoted by introducing virtual wedding features, which was much needed because of what's happening yes, with COVID. In some ways, the pandemic has been a gift to some people and definitely to you, I would have thought. Yes, definitely. In the past 12 months since COVID hit, websites has seen like a 400% growth. Wow. So it's been, yeah, it's been very timely. It's something that I never really imagined, but it just kind of worked out that way. Yeah, fantastic. All right. So along the journey, um, and I know it's fairly new, so you can use Theme Boy as well, but have there been some pivotal moments where I guess what I mean by that is often something will happen on your journey that you think at the time, oh, my God, it's a bit of a disaster. I'm not sure what we can do to move things forward. Or, you know, something happens anyway that you 
then look back on and go, oh, I'm kind of glad that happened because it sent me off in another direction. But have you had anything like that that you've had a real learning from? So something that kind of popped up time and time again across my journey is really pricing is everything. I think that a lot of people, I think especially women, tend to price lower than they're worth. Yeah. And same with Theme Boy. In the early days, we first launched our product for $35, a one-time fee. Right. And the feedback that we got from someone was that that's really cheap. It seems like it doesn't do all that it does because it's priced so cheap. It was the first of its kind, but we were looking at other competitors, just other WordPress themes and seeing how they were pricing and just price matching with them. But that just made it seem like our our product was the same as everyone else's, but it wasn't. So once we increased, we doubled the price, our sales increased. Um, The same thing happened with websites. The feedback that I got going through Ada was like, you need to increase your prices. So many people told me you need to increase your prices, but I was looking at other industry um, competitors and just thinking, okay, you know, there's this free or there's this really cheap. We need to price at that range. But then at the end of the day, it's like, I need to think about what the perceived value is. And because our product does so much more than these other products, it needed to be priced higher to to tell people that it's worth more. It does more. And so by doing that, that really made all of the difference to our business. That that is so interesting that you say that because I did the same with Handle Your Own PR and my PR accelerators and I launched them at $500 and went along. But it was a bit of a struggle, you know, because I was giving a lot more than most people do. And it involved days with journalists and all sorts of things. And then um, somebody gave me that advice and said, it's way too low, double it. And we doubled it and nothing happened. Like all the customers didn't disappear. You know, we got paid well for what we were doing. It's funny, isn't it? It's yeah. It's all about perceived value, Mm. I think. Mm. So that was definitely one of the biggest pivotal kind of things that happened. And then, of course, last year with COVID, that was massive to websites. You know, we were a new startup. We were finally seeing some growth. And then COVID happened. Our traffic just plummeted. I thought, you know, all weddings were canceled. (laughs) It was just like, oh, wow, this business is totally doomed. What are we going to do? But then just kind of kept at it and then changed our pricing model. I would never have been worried if I was you, because the one thing that you know is that that means that if all the weddings for 2020 got cancelled probably and possibly 2021. I would think for the next few years after this, there's going to be a lot of people getting married that have put it off for the last couple of years. That's very true. There's a lot lot more weddings that are having to happen in this year because of so many being postponed last year. Yeah, great. I'm so thrilled for you, though, that that it's really taking off. So talk to me about work when it's your passion. And obviously you guys are in Tokyo at the moment. Um, how do you separate work and life? What sort of hours are you working? Are you saying that weekends are just for us or how does it work? So now that we're, you know, 10 years into our journey, we're able to have a bit more work-life balance in the early days. Absolutely not. We're working, you know, 12, 14, 16 hour days, seven days a week, just hold up in our house, just working away. But now I try to work nine to maybe six or seven, still oh, long good. hours, Yeah, they are. I, but I enjoy what I do, yeah. <laughs> but we definitely take off weekends. And especially since COVID happened, my priorities kind of shifted and um, definitely thinking about 
not not burning out. So enjoying my time. I'm back in Japan with my family. So spending time with them, going on road trips, seeing more of Japan. Um, so definitely taking off weekends. Yeah, fantastic. Okay, now here's a funny question that a journalist suggested that I ask people, um, and it nearly always throws everyone, so I'll ask it of you. Is there a quirky fact that most people don't know about you that you'd be up for sharing? A quirky fact? Um, it could be I anything guess... from you playing an instrument <laughs> to, I don't know, whatever. You tell me. A fun fact about me is that um, back in high school, I was the Condo Plains Discus Champion. So <laughs> in track and field, I'm really good at throwing heavy objects really far. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> so, so that's something that is not. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> do you still do any discus or not now? No, not anymore. That was kind of my high school career in track Bing. and field. Okay, and the last questions are literally nothing to do with anything other than I'm nosy and I love talking about apps because I'm obsessed with my phone. Um, so are there any apps that you use for business? I'm going to say outside of the normal social media and bank and email. I'll take that as a given. Are there any business apps that you have discovered that you love? Ooh, one that, I mean, two that I always use is Slack. Slack is yeah, great. okay. Slack and Intercom. So we use Intercom to communicate with our our users. Right. So I'm always on those two just for communication purposes. So what those does are really Intercom great. do? Is it like a chat box on your website? That's right. It's the little chat bubble on the corner of the website. So when customers write in, you can immediately speak to them and they love that. <laughs> so yeah. we're there to support them. That's yeah, a good so. one to look at. And what about, do you use your phone for fun at all? Do you have any games on there that you're addicted to? So I don't play any games on my phone. I, I do play games on my Switch. I love Animal Crossing. That game has been great. What's what do you mean on your Switch? What Switch? Uh, it's a Nintendo um, console. So it's oh, a handheld okay. console or you can plug it into the TV. So I love, love Animal it. Crossing. It's the idea is that you're on this deserted island and you build it and there's all these cute little animals that are your villagers. <laughs> so it was like the ultimate COVID game to stay at home and build this island game. So I, I play that, but fun apps, something that I became interested in during lockdown was astrology. So there's this one app called Sanctuary, yeah. um, which is, it gives you your daily horoscope, um, shows you your natal chart to see oh. where all the stars are placed on the day that you're born. So that's, I've been oh, interested. So what's that's that one called? App. It's called Sanctuary. Sanctuary. I'm going to have to download that one. Um, Isla, if anybody wants to get hold of you, want, is planning a wedding or, or is running a sports club, because there's a lot of women doing that in the group as well, what are the best ways to get hold of you? Sure. So at websites, um, our website is websites.com. So W-E-D-S-I-T-E-S.com. Yeah. Uh, we're on all the social media networks as at websites. And then if anyone is looking to build a sports club website, they can go to themeboy.com. And, and they can and reach find me you there. Yeah, they can and find me there. I would also say, watch out in the media because I know that you will eventually. We're just doing just to be transparent. You've been doing my course, and we haven't actually got anything yet, but I think it's going to be very close. And I think you're going to be, you're just amazing, Isla. I am sure we'll be hearing about you all over the place. Oh, thank you so much. Thanks for having me, Jules. My pleasure. Thank you very, very much for joining me. I hope you've enjoyed this episode of She's the Boss Chats. 
For more information and to find out about our other initiatives, including our weekly lunch for female founders and our TV show, go to she'sthebossscomau